0: Well, what a joy it is to be here together, to, to just take a, a day, to sit under God's word and, and learn about God and be refreshed in the sweetness of who he is in the midst of a world that is seeking to do everything they can to deny the reality of his lordship. I have the privilege of spending 19 years in Uganda, Africa. I want to give you a little taste. I'm going to show a little couple videos uh, before I get up, but just letting you know about our ministry. Uh, I showed that particular, vision, that particular video for, to begin with because I want you to know as, as young people that you are the most blessed of people and you have no idea. Every one of you have grown up in getting education, good medical care. When I was born, I was born two months early to, with a twin. I'm far better looking than my twin. It's unfortunate, but uh, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, I was born two months early, and if I were born in Africa, I wouldn't be alive. No question. Probably many of you wouldn't be alive as well if you were born in Africa because they don't have the medicine that we have here. It's not given that you go to school. School is a luxury in Uganda. And I want you to know, you know, it is just a joy and a privilege to be an American. I know our political situation is a funny farm, But in reality, God bless, God has blessed America. Can we say amen? Amen. You need to wake up every day thankful for the fact that you are in the richest country in the world. And I want you to know up front that the reason why God has blessed America is because America was a country that's acknowledged God. We said even on every bill, in God we what? And because America acknowledged God and its founding fathers, we actually came to this country that we might know God, serve God, and love God independently of someone over us, oppressing us. And we established within our laws, within our country, laws that were biblical. Right from the beginning, we knew that this was right and this was and it's because we acknowledge that there was a sovereign God over the universe of whom right determined right and wrong. And God has richly blessed this country and we have reaped the benefits of that blessing year upon year upon year upon year because God's law is embedded in our constitution. And that's why when I greet you, I give you a hug and, I, and, I, 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 and you believe me and trust me. And I trust you because we are American. We know that lying and cheating are wrong. We know that we have the best police force anywhere in the world. Do you realize that? Like I find it funny. I'm in Africa where everything is a bribe, where law and justice are not upheld, And we're here in America saying that we don't have a good police system. God has been so good to this country, and I want you as young people growing up to to just stop and thank God. Every time you go to school, just stop and thank God. We recognize that people are destroying it quickly, destroying the reality of God's law in this country and we will suffer the consequences of that. In our first message together, we established the fact that God is God is. Everybody, look at your neighbor. Tell them, God is King. Come on, go and tell your neighbor that. Come on, that is just cool. Just know that's cool. That's not weird. God is King, and He's King over the over the universe. And not only that, but he deserves to rule over the lives of every one of us. What I want to do is I want to, in this introduction, I want to paint something for you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah chapter 6, because this is the worldview that I want you to have. In Isaiah chapter 6, We read, starting in verse 1, a a picture of reality, a picture of what this world really looks like. It says this in verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw what? I saw what? The The Lord. Some of you guys are still looking for Isaiah. That's awesome. Come on. I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne. And he was highly exalted. And the train of his robe was filling the temple. He had so much glory, it was just filling the temple. And above him stood seraphim. Each had six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another, what? Said what? Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of your glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And when you go to the New Testament, you realize that it was Jesus sitting on that throne. My dear friends, right now as we speak, that throne is there Right now as we speak those angels are there and they're shouting out holy, 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 holy. And all of heaven is focused on God. All of heaven is ready to serve him at any moment's notice. And in the meantime they're giving praise and exaltation and glory and honor to the king of kings. He is on that throne right now. While we are here just rebelling against his majesty and doing whatever we want as humanity, all of heaven is, is zeroed in on him, giving him the glory and honor that's due him. And if we're going to see the world with accuracy, you must understand that we are in his world. We are in his universe. We are in his earthly kingdom right now. And we have a responsibility to his majesty. Whether you acknowledge him or not, he is there. Whether you acknowledge his His sovereignty and his majesty, he's there. You can't get away from it. He is there. And he's been there throughout eternity. Reigning and ruling over this universe. These are truths that we've established in our first message together, I want to take the message one step further. And I want to do that by asking four questions. How many questions? Four. Four, four questions. And you say, Shannon, you're not expositing. I, I, I'm expositing, but in a different way, Okay. I'm giving this topically to you so that it can get into your mind, and we can understand the world in which we live in, and how we fit in this world. The first question I want to give you is this: What is our responsibility to the King of Kings? What is our responsibility? To our sovereign king. What is our responsibility? I quoted from you last night. Daniel 7.14. But I I think it in the most powerful way. Displays. What God desires. In Daniel 7.14. It's a vision that is given. Starting in verse 13 it says this I saw in the night visions and behold a cloud with the clouds of heaven there came one like the son of man by the way the son of man is the most used term of Christ when he was on the earth and 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 he, he did that specifically to link himself up as this one that was to be expected So the Son of Man comes up to the Ancient of Days, that is the Father, and is presented before him. And then it says these words in verse 14, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. What did Jesus say before he left this earth? He says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go make followers of me. I would suggest to you that that kingdom has been given to Christ, though we are awaiting his earthly presence Upon his second return, when he rules over this earth, but right now he has the position of Lord and King over the universe while reigning from heaven. But it says very clearly here in verse 14 and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. Why? That all what? People, everybody, are you with me? That all what? peoples and nations and languages what should serve him it says especially uganda it says that there is that in your translation it's not just you know it's, but he uganda is one of those nations his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed It is God's passion. It is God's desire that everyone everywhere might what? Serve him. That every tongue, every language might serve him. Might serve him. Might serve him. Might serve him. him. Are you hearing that? He wants service for our good? And if I get anything into your heart this morning, I want you to know he wants our service, not just for his glory, but for our good, for your good, for your good, for your good. He wants your good. He wants to love you. He wants to care for you. He wants your good. What is our responsibility, the king of kings? Our responsibility to the king is service. I want to help you understand something simple but profound. Something that you must get into your minds. Something that you must make sure gets deep into your heart and never forget that you never forget. I want to define for you what a Christian is. A Christian is someone who's bent the knee to the majesty of Jesus Christ. It's someone who said, no, you are Lord. You are King. I will surrender my life, not live it for myself, but I will surrender it and live it for." You, I will give you that service. That is the definition of a Christian. A Christian is a servant of the Most High God. That's why Romans 6.22 says that all of us who truly know Jesus Christ, we are freed from sin and we are enslaved as servants to God. Colossians 1:13 makes it very clear that he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, the kingdom of darkness, and he's transferred us into his kingdom. As servants of his most beloved son. Do you understand in the world we live in, there are two kingdoms there is the kingdom of the devil, and there's the kingdom of God. You are in one or the other. One or the other. And see, salvation is when you go from one kingdom into another kingdom. 1 Peter 2.16 says, listen, I want you to act as free men, not and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as a bondservant of God. You've been set free from sin, not that you might sin, but you've been set free from sin that you might surrender to his majesty because you know he's good and you love his goodness and all you want is to follow after him. Dear friends, a Christian is a servant of King Jesus. In Matthew 13:38, the Bible gives a parable, the parable of the wheat and the tares. And he says that in the, the field is the world. And as for good, the good seed," verse 38, these are the sons. Of the kingdom. And the tares are the sons of the evil one. Jesus is making it very clear that there are sons of the king and there are sons of the evil one. And it becomes very clear that you must ask yourself a very pivotal question, and that is this. Whose son am I? Whose kingdom do I belong to? In the end of time, it tells us in Revelation 22, verse 3, that there will no longer be any curse and the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it and his Bondservants. And his? That is you and I, if you know Jesus Christ. And his bondservants will serve him and see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. Those who see Jesus Christ in heaven will be those who are his bond. Servants, those who have freely, out of love for God, surrendered their life to his majesty. It's interesting, when you actually study this word bondservant, you realize that it is synonymous with the word Christian. It is the most beloved term. I would say that because in reality, the biblical perspective of Christianity was king and kingdom. You're in God's kingdom or not. You're just serving the king or not. And the whole worldview is he's on a throne, we're here, but we live our lives in subjection to him. And, and, and this bondservant term was the favorite term used. Everywhere it's there. That's why Paul calls himself a bondservant of Jesus Christ in Romans 1.1. 1, 1. And Jude calls himself a bondservant of Christ in Jude 1.1. 1, 1. And James calls himself a bondservant in James 1.1. 1, 1. And Peter calls himself a bondservant in 2 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Hopefully you're not taking notes of that. That's crazy. And John refers to himself as a bondservant in Revelation 1.1. And Elizabeth refers to him as God's bondservant in Luke 1.48 in Aphrodite. And in Colossians 4.12 calls himself a bondservant. This is why all Christians are called bondservants in Revelation 1.1. You see, we are either bondservants of his holy majesty or we're not. If you are a Christian, then by definition of your proclamation, you are a bond servant of Christ. That means you have declared yourself to be one who serves Christ. You see, you are baptized, dying to yourself and raising to live with him and for him representing him in this world, wearing across your chest the word Christian. You know where that term came from? It came from the early church. The disciples of Jesus were so faithful, so fervent to follow after Jesus Christ that everybody said, ah, look, there's little Jesuses, little Jesuses little Christ followers <laughs> And that's where we got our term Christians because we so followed Christ, so dedicated to Christ that we were made fun of as being Christ what? followers What is our responsibility to the king of kings our responsibility to young people is what is what service. service that brings me to a second question the second question is this what does it mean to be a servant of the king of kings what does that mean here's where i want us to drive in a little bit and, and, and bring out the reality of what this is practically. Let me start with theoretical. What does it mean to be a bondservant of Christ? As I told you, I live in the Buganda kingdom. And in the Buganda kingdom, our king, if he were to come and, and, and ask someone in the Buganda kingdom to honor him, and to obey him, if they were a true servant of the Baganda king, what would they do? Everyone? They'd obey. And the Buganda king, if the king asks you to pay tithe, taxes, what are you to do? Everybody, what are you to do? Pay taxes. If the king of Buganda were to ask you to go to war, a true servant of the king would what? Go Go to war. Throughout the history of the world, no matter what nation you were a part of, when a king asked its subjects to do something, the people what? Obeyed. And that's how you knew whether they were a true follower or not. Servants were to give total, utmost priority to the voice of the king over all other voices. Therefore, dear friends, what does it mean to be a servant of Yahweh, a servant of our king? What does it actually mean? It means that you honor and obey his voice. It means that you honor and obey his voice. The irony in our day, young people, is that people wanna say that they are servants of Jesus Christ, but we do not honor his voice. And if we're honest with ourselves, you guys are a part of the youth group, but have you bent the knee to Jesus Christ? Do you actually go out every day and seek to honor his majesty? Do you live for eternal purposes? The Bible makes it very clear that a Christian is, uh, you, that you are a servant of the one in whom you obey. Look with me in Romans chapter 6. Quickly, Romans chapter 6. I want to show you a powerful voice, a verse. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. I want you to read this with me. And I want you to get its truths into your mind. Romans 6.16, he says, Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient servants, you are a slave of the one in whom you what? Everybody, you are a slave of the one whom you what? Of the one in whom you... Obey either sin leading to what sin leading to or obedience that leads to and thanks be to God that though you were a slave of sin, having become obedient from the heart to, to, to the teaching to which you committed, having been set free from sin, you've become a slave of what righteousness. My dear friends, the converting work of God in the heart of every individual is the transformation of slavery from sin to righteousness, from Satan to God. But the the pervasive idea here is this truth, and I want you to get it. I want you to get it, young people, because it'll tell you exactly where you stand right now with God. It'll be a test for you. It'll be an identifier for you Who is your master? Who the king? There was a rap song, right? Who the king? Who the king? I should be a rapper, huh? He said, No, I shouldn't be a rapper. I know, I'm not that cool to be a rapper. Here is the truth for you you are a slave of the one you what? A little louder. You are a slave of the one you what? Obey. I want you to ask yourself. This is not for anyone else. This is for you because it's you alone that will stand before God one day. It's you alone who will give an account. God knows. To whom do you belong? To whom do you belong? You are a slave of the one you So who do you obey? You see, you cannot say that you're a Christian. You cannot say that you are truly a servant of Jesus Christ when you don't honor his voice, when you don't obey him. The servant of the king means that you give your utmost attention and honor to the voice of our God. Disciples throughout the history have lived this way. That's why Peter and John, when they were asked not to speak the name of Christ, they said in Acts 5.29, we must obey God rather than man. That's why in Exodus 1.17, those who feared God, it says that they did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, But let the boys live, putting them to death. They would not obey the king because they had a higher king. My dear friends, many of us in this room, our biggest challenge is this. Can I tell you what it is? It's your friends or your kings. You do whatever they say. If they think dressing immodestly is cool, then you dress immodestly. If they say, listen to this song, you listen to these songs. You have your voice attuned to your friends, to the society around you. That is not a Christian. That is not a Christian. The Bible makes it very clear in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, in Galatians one verse ten, it says this: For I am not seeking the favor. For am I seeking the favor of man or God? Listen to what he says. He says, "Or am I striving to please man? If I were still trying to please man, if I were still doing that, if that's the way in which I lived, if if my desire was to please the people around me, he says this: I would not be a bond servant of Jesus Christ." If you're really trying to live for man, listen, your king are those men. If you are a true servant of the king, your attentiveness is not to man, your attentiveness is to God. That is the definition of a believer. If you're still trying to please man, you are not a bond servant of Christ. Because a true bondservant does not live for the pleasure of any man because his consuming passion is to live for the pleasure of God. Our ears are tuned at all times to the voice of God and not the voice of man. What's your attitude to God's voice? Are you even awakened to it? Are you passionate to know God and, and to know his word that you can be a faithful servant? I grew up in a home where most of my environment weren't Christian. And I, I went about and, 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 and tried to just figure out what Christian is all about. And, and I learned very young, at 12 years old, that if I wanted to be a tree planted by the streams of water, you have a fruit in due season that I needed to delight myself in God's law and meditate on it day and night. And I, at 12 years old, made a commitment that I am gonna be that tree because I'm gonna delight myself in God's law. And from the time I was ki- a kid, all I cared about was what does God think? What does God think? And oh my goodness, it has led me through so many valleys on a safe ground immorality all around me. But I knew exactly where to stand because I was attuned to the voice of my God. Oh, I praise God. Oh, I praise God for the sweetness of his word. There's a third question I want to ask and I want to answer, and that is this. It's a fundamental question, simple question and I'll give a simple answer but it still must be stated and that is this where can the words of the king of kings be found where can the words of the king of kings be found dear friends as you know because you come to good from good bible teaching sc- churches that the words or the voice of the king can be found in one place and one place alone one place in one place Alone, and that is from the Bible and the Bible, come on, that's weak sauce, let's go. From the Bible and the Bible, here is the words of our king. Here is the voice of his majesty. How, what is your relationship to this book? Are you passionate for it? Are you eager and anxious to know what it says so you can obey the king? Are you eager and desiring to open its pages and to spend time with it? If you're a servant of the king, then we all humbly approach this daily, eager and passionately to come before God and his word. Listen, we are bombarded here. Many of us, your words that you follow are the words of Facebook or, or Instagram or all of these things, that this dominates your mind. It dominates everything about you, and it so dominates your mind that you're committed to whatever it says, whatever it orients you to. And you, know, you, you, you want to serve the Lord, but this is what controls you. And listen, I live in this world too. I know the problems of this. Being a missionary doesn't make you extinct from that. If anything, it makes you a greater target of it. And we've all compromised at some level. But you need to know, my dear young people, to whom you what? belong see I don't need anybody looking over my shoulder to obey the king because I know everywhere I go the king is there and, it, it, and I know that if I look at something I shouldn't some girl in a bathing suit or Kanye West's latest girlfriend it, 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 whatever it might be I have to give an account to my king, and I want to please my king because he's my king. You're here saying, Shannon, I I understand that Yahweh is king, and and I understand that we as Christians are servants of the king, and, and therefore we must obey with earnest focus his voice. I understand that the Bible is the voice of God, but help me understand this more practically. Let me come to the fourth question, and this is, which is this: What does it practically mean to live as a servant of the king? What does it practically mean? It means this. I want you to look up here. What does it mean practically? Are you ready? Ask your neighbor if they're ready. Come on, hit your neighbor, go ahead. Both neighbors, both sides, let's go. What does it practically mean? It means this, dear friends. It means you fill yourself up so much with the words of God that your thoughts your emotions, your actions, every area of your life is in line with the king's voice. It means that when it comes to every area of your life, you ask the king, how do you want me to handle this situation right now? It means that you run your life the way the king wants you to run it. It means that you play sports the way the king wants you to play it. It means that you obey your parents the way the king wants you to obey it. (coughs) It means that you run relationships with guys and girls the way the king wants you to run them. It means... That you do your schooling the way the king wants you to run, the, to do it. It means you interact with your brothers and sisters the way the king wants. It means that everything you do in your life is in subjection under his majesty and is lived as a sacrifice of worship to his kingship. Oh, dear friends, too often we do things mindlessly and we ignore the fact. That the king has spoken, and that in him one day we will give an account. Dear friends, this is the worldview that I want you to go home with. Here is God's way. I'm sorry, I keep coming over here. They smell better than the... just kidding. Here is God's way. Right here is safe, friends, young people. When you obey God and you stay right here in God's way, it's safe. It's good. It's good. It's good. If I can get anything into your mind, it's good. God's word is good. God's word is good. Do you understand that? God wants your good. He wants your best, he wants to love you, and this is good. That's why he calls you into a relationship to himself an abiding relationship because it's good when you're right here. But when you live outside of his will, when you live in rebellion against God, it's not good. In Uganda. Our gospel message is there is a king and his way is the the best. And we try and help our community know his way. A Christian is one who knows this truth and we do everything we can to stay right here because we know God is good, we know he wants our good, and we yield our lives to his supremacy because of his goodness. You see, listen. Listen. I can go and I can look at pornography. But you know what? It's not what? It's not what? It's not good. It's outside God's will. So I don't do it no matter who's seeing me. Who's seeing me? It doesn't really matter. Because I know he's good and and I surrender myself because I know by faith that this is the place I want to be and no other place. And listen, there are times where we will we, we'll, we'll bring ourselves to this line right here and just be tempted, foolishly. With the temptation be dragged here and, and the cry of our heart is, God, don't let me depart from your good law. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Please don't let it happen. Someone came and asked me, what do I do when... Sometimes I just, I just want to disobey God just so I can feel something. Why should I not do that? And I said, oh, because it will destroy your life. Dear friends, I want to ask you the most fundamental question that I can hear this morning Do you know that there is a good, an awesome, a glorious king over you? Do you know that? Do you know that this patient and loving king desires and demands your service because he loves you and as a good king he can only demand what is good and for your best? Do you understand that? He's like a parent that's just begging you, please obey for your good. Please obey for your good. Please obey for your good. But the most important question that you can be asked this morning is are you a servant of this king? Are you truly a servant of this king? Have you really bent the knee and humbly submitted under his lordship? Have you surrendered to do everything his way? Do you wake up in the morning and say, God, show me what you want me to do today. Oh, Lord, no, I'm sorry I did that because I belong to you. You are my Lord. Young people, this will never be done perfectly, But it should be done characteristically Of all of us here Why? Because you Are a servant Of the one You what? Obey If you're here And you've been calling yourself a Christian But you don't obey the king With total surrender You need to rethink Your confession And you need to bend the knee to his supremacy and bow the knee before the throne of God and say, Lord, here I am, take me. Let's pray. Father, I come to you Dependent upon you that you would do a work of grace in all of our hearts. We know, as the hymn writer says, that we're prone to wander, prone to leave the God we love. We know that Hebrews says that we're to run and we're to put aside every encumbrance and every sin which so easily entangles us. We know that believers are not perfect. But we do know from the the, the sweet words of your majesty that a Christian is one who surrendered themselves to follow after you. We do not live for our own purposes. We live for you. That as the world crumbles and as they run after all kinds of things, we have our ears attuned to your majesty. And in the midst of this pagan kingdom, there is the true kingdom who is risen above all things by the power of your spirit and the grace lavished upon us. And we live with our ears tuned to you above all voices. And Father, we ask that every youth group here would be described as that. Will you help us, O living God, to know to whom we belong and to live it out with reckless abandon. For the praise, glory, and honor of your name we pray, amen.